Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm Lindsay. And this is the Hideaway Podcast, episode 50. 50. It's our 50th episode. So not too much circus news uh, this past week. One thing that, that I did see come up on my, my Facebook news feed is that Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York State, officially signed a bill that bans performing elephants in in New York. So I assume that means no more Universal Circus coming into town. Or maybe they still come, but they just do a show without their elephants. Yes, quite possibly. And does Circa Monovasquez have elephants? I don't remember if they have elephants. I can't remember either, but I, I feel like they do. I they just like had horses do. and dogs. Oh, just horses and dogs. I yeah. don't remember. I don't remember either. I was actually up by that by Big Apple Circus, their their new site that's up at Lincoln Center. They open next week. And I think they have like 18 horses in their show and a dog act, still with the amazing Jenny Vidbell, who's been their animal trainer for, for many years. So what's it like seeing the, you know, a circus tent and all the trailers up at Lincoln Center? Similar to how it looked in, in years past. I mean, it was cool. You know, there's nothing there last year. I, I was visiting Eric Allen, who's a friend of mine, who's in the Walenda seven-person high-wire pyramid. And he showed me around a little bit backstage, saw his trailer, which is really cute. You know, Tim was halfway up when I was there. But the the site's got a lot of energy. A lot of people there. Everybody seems very excited for the opening next week. We're going, I think, November 1st on Wednesday. Yeah. So uh, we'll let you know what we think after we see it. <laughs> We're going to have Mark Lonigan on, who is the uh, director of this year's show, to chat with us. So uh, good luck to everybody opening Big Apple. We're excited to come and support you guys. Eric posts some videos on his Instagram. And his trailer does look really cute. It reminds me of like a dorm room that's so small, but so cozy because you've made it your own. <laughs> it feels like a little den. I mean, there's definitely something very romantic to like living on the circus back lot in a tiny little trailer. I was thinking that it must be so loud because it's not, it's such a popular area in New York City. And you have like the ballet, the, the opera, the theater, the library, like just like the common space. Nothing loud like a library. <laughs> no, but people are going to it. You know, like there's a lot of people. Yes, there's definitely constantly. a ton of foot traffic at Lincoln Center. So that would drive me insane. Like how soundproof our trailers? Probably not soundproof enough for your very sensitive ears, but <laughs> I think for the average acrobat, probably not too bad. <laughs> well, we're excited to see it. I'm very nervous to see the uh, the pyramid, the wire pyramid. I believe I they do have it. an airbag though underneath them, so it you know taking away at least one one element mm. of. It's an interesting creative team too for Big Apple this year. It's a lot of Broadway people. A lot of Broadway people, but maybe like newer Broadway people have maybe done like one or two things, and then. Actually, their lighting designer is this guy, Jeff Crater, who, who we were working on a project with, who's, like, incredible. Did and Peter and the Starcatcher. Last season, he did the bandstand. Just a phenomenal lighting designer. I always used to say that that tent was, like, super dark. I don't know if people have been in there remember just how, like, dimly lit it, it was in recent years. And I was like, Jeff, am I going to be able to, to see everything? He's like, this year you can see absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah. There will be no excuse for darkness. So we're, we are excited. I also just got back from Montreal where I was shooting a, a VR scene with Val Doucette. This is, I think, going to be one of the trippier, cooler ones. We shot it in this place called the Palais de Congress. Well, Excuse my... Explain who Val is. Well, Val is this amazing contortionist handstand performer who uh, went to ENC and since has traveled with Circa. That's an Australian group. She was on tour with James Thierry for many years. His show was just at BAM. And she's just this phenomenal performer with an incredible amount of body control and awareness. I think people are often used to seeing like super Russian style handstand and contortion acts where everything is perfect, perfect lines. And Val does have perfect lines, but she's also got some crazy weird shapes she can make, mm. weird stuff with her feet and her hands. And we shot it in this really trippy hall uh, that's a actually a convention center, but it had a beautiful multicolored wall and then a metal sort of mirror behind it. So we got some super cool kaleidoscopic kind of effects and feeling yeah, super excited a, for people to see it. Yeah, it's a really awesome video. It's totally different than the other ones that we've we've filmed so far. So I think people really like it. Have you seen any shows recently? I know you've been you've been up to the Times Square little square. <laughs> the box. The box. The Broadway, Broadway box. box. I saw the band's visit. And now we saw that the night it opened off Broadway. What was the difference between the the off Broadway and the Broadway versions? Uh well first 
the show is about is based on a true story about this band from Egypt who has been commissioned by the Egyptian embassy in Israel in a town called Petah Tikva with a P. But because they speak Arabic and not Hebrew, they mess up and they go to Betach Tikva with a B. And the whole story is literally just about that. And it's a true story and it's so good. It's such a good show. And when I, we saw it off Broadway, it was really good too. But I feel like we were both... Kind of like, I don't know how it could transfer. I remember just thinking, like, is this story, like, epic enough? Like, Yeah. It's always interesting watching a show go from an off-Broadway theater where you have little rehearsal time, a smaller budget, and a smaller space, and then transferring to a Broadway house where there's more at stake, there's more money, there's a more rehearsal time, and there's a bigger stage, right? So a bigger set. And how does that show translate to a bigger space and i honestly think it was better in the bigger Mm. space because the story is so small having a bigger space makes the story feel bigger interesting and you know the all the music is is like israeli and and also egyptian and really is tony shalhoub still in it yes tony shalhoub from monk and actually the day i saw it there was this little event afterwards for people who are members of Atlantic Theater Company where the show started and and my parents are members there so we went and Tony my mom was like a massive monk fan and she was like I saw her meeting Tony Shalhoub but I was talking to someone else so I didn't get to meet him and I was like oh no I didn't get to meet Tony Shalhoub I'm a little sad she was don't worry I can introduce you on our way out and I was like okay because you've met him for all of two seconds but the main girl who who's the main character and I honestly don't actually know her character's name she uh has an amazing Israeli accent she's so incredible it's like her first thing yes same actress um as downtown and um she, I think she's going to win the... I'm going to predict she's going to win the Tony Award nice. for Best New Musical so Actress. just staying on Broadway for a minute, do you think our listeners care if we do a, a brief humble brag? No. Do you know what I'm referencing? No. Our upcoming September 2018 Harry Potter oh. tickets you scored. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got... I won the... Well, I didn't win. I didn't win anything. I had stuff to pay. But you, the, the ticket process for the Harry Potter... Broadway show is insane. And I'll summarize it very quickly. Sign up for tickets went live on October 1st. And you had to be a member of Ticketmaster to sign up to be a verified fan to register for an access code that they would send you on October 18th or something. And if you didn't get a code sent to you on October 18th texted to you on October 18th. You then had to wait for the next release of sign up for a verified fan. So basically, if you didn't get an access code, you have to wait till who knows when because they haven't released another date. And you're supposed to get a text at 10 a.m. So I was like, dang it, I didn't get one. And then 4 p.m. rolls around and I got a text. And so, but by the time it was my turn to go on, there was uh, no availability till September. When did the show open? Like, it's going to open in March. <laughs> so, so that's six months. It's going to get really nice and tight. Yeah, it'll be months. great. Hopefully but it was still hard to even find freaking tickets. And then, because I thought I didn't get the access code, so I went back on Ticketmaster to see when they were going to take the next group of signups, and they don't even have a date. Oh. So it's a crazy process, but I feel like but I won in. the lotto. We shall see Harry Potter. Well, and then I was like, well, I should get six tickets because then, you know, we can sell to, sell to or at least have two for friends, you know, but I couldn't even get six. I couldn't even find a day with six. So I had to go to <laughs> down to four. Well, I'm very excited. Good job hunting down those tickets. Thanks. So I really felt like it was I was on a mission. So on today's episode. We're interviewing Olivia Porter, who is an amazing Australian juggler. She was actually in town uh, recently. She performed with us at the Future of Storytelling Festival. Olivia's got a really, really cool style. I recommend you click the description link of this podcast to watch a quick YouTube video of it. But she does a very non-traditional type of ball juggling, using sort of a lot of isolation and a lot of dance references. She almost looks like she has, like... A tick when she does like a purposeful tick, you know, like kind of like she's internally struggling with something, which and when we we had her do her piece at Faust, 
the audience was just like loving it, just yeah. eating it up. Losing it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's cool about Olivia is that she's a juggler. And we really haven't had too many jugglers on it. Something I've wanted. She's a female juggler. A female juggler, even more rare, but truly. So we talked to her about how she got started in Australia, how she learned to juggle, what she's doing now. She's on the younger side of the spectrum of the people we interview, so she's really at the beginning of her career. I think people will find this super interesting. If you like juggling, you like Australia, you like good stories, yeah. this episode is I one for you. One of the things that everyone can take away from this if you're a performer, and what we've heard from previous performers who have really good like rehearsal discipline, is just being in a studio for hours and hours and just seeing what looks cool. And, like, what different moves you can do to make it your own. And, like, we talk about that with Olivia. So I think it's a really interesting podcast. But before you listen to the uh, interview with Olivia, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, tweet us, rate us on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, or you can email us at hello at hideawaycircus.com. Here's Olivia. Where are you from? I'm originally... um... I was born in New South Wales in a tiny little town called um, Bobin. <laughs> but um, I grew up mostly in Brisbane and I'm now based in Melbourne, but then often here in America. <laughs> I, feel like, you know, I always forget that Australia, even though it's massive, mm. there's not very many, there's nothing in the middle. Like really, everyone lives like, in, like yeah, on all the coastal yeah. places. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot inland, but yeah, more smaller, smaller communities. And I mean, Central Australia is so beautiful, like the desert. Right. It's just like so different. <laughs> I was from... like, Josh, we should do a road trip out there. And then I looked at how long it would take. And it was like an eight-hour drive. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, shoot. And scary. Like it's just straight. So like people get like delirious oh, and just God. sort of, you know. But it's incredible. Did you grow up like were your parents artists? Were you doing arts-related things, performance things as a kid? Yeah. I mean, I guess so my... My dad was a, um, he was an architect by trade, but he was also a really beautiful um, painter, did a lot of painting. And my sister really took that um, kind of route as well, rat. <laughs> um, and so she's, yeah, she's uh, got a PhD in, vis- in um, visual arts and yeah, she's, she's um, an artist as well. But my mum was a social worker and um, yeah, but I was actually a really sporty kid and um, I loved soccer. Soccer was mm. my, yeah, my sport. I was always dreaming of being like so a... you were like the athlete in school more than you were like the, the yeah. performer? Yeah, and definitely not very academic. <laughs> <laughs> Creative and, um, yeah, sporty was sort of my my kind of main, yeah, avenues. Well, what was the first like circusy kind of thing that you were exposed to or saw where you were like, oh, that looks cool, like maybe I want to learn some of that? Yeah, it's, it's I actually find that really hard to remember. I recall being like pulled up in a um, in a street show once. I remember the guy, like I'm like, I'm going to get picked, and he looked right at me and picked me, and I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember loving like seeing lots of stuff on the street, even though I never took a, you know, street path. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of things on the street. And then in Brisbane, obviously, um, there was this – such a great sort of scene there and happy sideshow was actually one of the first you know um kind of full sideshow less circus but um one of the first shows I saw that kind of made me go oh that's so cool and amazing and I'd love to do that it's funny there aren't really like I guess there is in Coney Island but you're this we interviewed Amy Saunders do you know who that is yeah. Miss Pia, Pia. Yeah. yesterday and um she her like initial route into it was also sideshow yeah okay but it's something that's really like not something where you can like easily see it in america no i think it'd be in very specific cities to see to see sideshow yeah so what what triggered you like learning skills like juggling or or what was that what came first juggling yeah it did i mean i was always really fascinated actually i think i learned devil sticks or something that yeah, I, that was oh my God. Too. <laughs> I think i bought them at some markets did you get them with like the flowers on the end or the kind that are like hard and sort of like go and out like were, those were the hard ones yeah, yeah. With, like the kind of chewy kind of yeah like ends. the like things on the ends of them yeah yeah, yeah. i had one too yes. hot pink so did you yeah. have like uh all, all the crazy devil stick tricks did I you did. do like a I little was... act with that no, I never did an act. I was like 12 at the time and I got them from a market and I think I only had them for a week and I got pretty, I think I got, you know, I got good for <laughs> yeah. being 12 and mucking around with them. And then um, I was staying with a friend's um, family and they had this new puppy and he got to them and chewed them all up. So that was kind of the end <laughs> oh, of my man. devil's degree. <laughs> um, and I could always sort of juggle in high school. I always picked up the three balls really 
easily. Mm. But um, I actually had this friend in high school who was, I was probably about 15 at the time, and um, she was doing uh, circus workshops, which was um, when it, circuit was rock and roll circus. Mm. And I remember saying to her, oh, I really want to do circus. And she turned around to me and she's like, now you're too old. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're too old at 15. <laughs> 15. So I actually didn't start doing it until I was about 18, 19 yeah, so I was, um, you know, I think that's a pretty late bloomer for starting circus. Yeah, I mean, it can be. Yeah. What did you, when, so what, where did you start training when you started? So I, um, I, so the story into it was I, um, I was working at a cafe in West End um, called Soulbreds and this woman came in and she was handing out kind of um, acro flyers for a bunch of workshops and I was in a really talkative mood that day and cause usually I was a bit shy with customers and um, I ended up talking to her. Um, for quite a long time and said that I was really interested in juggling. And she was like, oh, you should do um, my friend Davy Sampford's workshops at Circa. And um, so she gave me his details and I contacted him and ended up, yeah, going and doing workshops with him at Circa. So he was my first juggling teacher. And it turns out that the woman um, who I talked to at the cafe that day was Rocky Stone, who I then ended up like seven, oh, hang on. About five years later, making a company and a show with her, so that was like a awesome. yeah amazing sort of turnaround. Yeah, so I um I started doing workshops with Circa with Davy mostly, and I started just doing some private workshops with him. Do you guys know Davy Sanford at all? I don't think so. No, he was um originally in briefs. Mm. He's um I'm... oh wait, he didn't do it just this past like he didn't do Club no. Bruce and Natalie, did he? Oh, he may have guessed he it. Beard? No. Oh, okay. No. He's a really, um, he's a beautiful performer. He does a lot of object manipulation. He was, yeah, he was in rock and roll circus for a long time. Um, yeah, so specialized in juggling, but also amazing clown. He's got some great clowning stuff. He's got a great plate spinning act. Oh, nice. It's actually my most favorite act. It's still to date. Um, it's amazing. It's to, do you know the, um, the song Total Control? Motels? Okay. Anyway, have a little listen to it. Yeah, and well. He, and he, what he does is he, um, he just... He's, he's this really quite skinny, skinny guy, and he's just sitting there eating dry protein powder oh. <laughs> at the start of the act, just sickening. And then um, he goes into this plate spinning act and he just puts all the plates up, um, you know, over time, and the music builds and builds and builds, and then he just walks off stage and just lets them all just fall off slowly and smash it. Oh, it's amazing. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really no, he cool. definitely, I did not see him. No, the yeah. The guy I saw was like, was dropping every second and was not skinny. Oh, really? so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. were you attracted to like any particular juggling apparatus uh to start with were you like i really want to learn poi or rings or balls or like what how did your yeah well it was always balls i always loved <laughs> I always love playing with balls you know all the ball jokes um yeah it was it was always juggling balls i did try to do rings and you know i did a little bit of clubs i, did a little, yeah. I like passing but i'm not really much of a you know a club kind of um juggler but yeah and I think um my style that I sort of developed really just led itself to focusing mostly just on on ball ball juggling mm-hmm. ball manipulation how much of you do you feel like your your time spent learning skills was based like from a coach versus like self-devised versus like looking at videos on YouTube or in the internet of all these other jugglers and getting like inspiration and references that way. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I feel like when I started like that, you know, compared to now with social media, there wasn't that as much access to to videos. And I, I in the beginning I did watch stuff, but then I, I actually just stopped. Like I, I'm going to hope this doesn't sound awful, but I actually really don't like watching juggling. <laughs> I get kind of quite like, oh, yeah. um, which is ironic because I do it. But um, yeah, and, and a lot of my process, I, I then started doing workshops with Volcano Women's Circus, so just a community-based um, circus in Brisbane, um, doing stuff with them. But yeah, most of my training then just became independent i just stand in a room for hours in front of a mirror and play around with yeah my juggling balls <laughs> <laughs> to be a juggler Combat you have music. to be like dedicated to picking up things your entire life yeah yeah and that's what's like the, the way to start got a lot of what? good like foot kicking up tricks where Ooh. she doesn't have to bend all the oh that's true over. that's true yeah so if you're like a talented kicker upper with your foot you don't have to yeah what's like the first thing for someone who can't juggle where you're like to learn how to juggle, this is what you should do. 
what's the first thing that you should do? Yeah, because, like, I have tried 15 times. <laughs> I can't do it. Really? I'm yeah, sure like, you can. can't do it. I always go, like, I can teach anyone. But well, sometimes... Josh has been my teacher, so maybe he's my teacher. That's... <laughs> and he's I'm, rich, I'm your teacher. That's all. That's the, the relationship is. <laughs> but you know how people say, like, you know, everyone can sing, and you're like, no. no. <laughs> and I wonder if that's maybe the same yeah, with juggling, juggling, you know? Yeah. Like, like, everyone can juggle, but maybe. No. Um, I mean, my favourite is one ball. Like, I love playing with the, the things that you can do just with one ball and I consider I mean it's it's manipulation I guess it's not quite juggling but you know it's part of the kind of world that I play with and so I think there's lots of options to do one one yeah. ball and okay, well, I can do that. And, yeah and it, like if you just keep playing with that it, it just it just really comes kind of naturally yeah. I think the less you think about it almost the easier it is <laughs> there's definitely, definitely in your style of, of juggling sort of like you said a lot of manipulation but also sort of like a kind of dance element to it mm. and there's something that repetitive wouldn't be the right word but it's sort of like a self-contained series of movements that you like call back a little bit and like reference throughout the number and i'm just wondering like where did you see somebody else do that style of juggling because it's not like that flashy like you know very <laughs> traditional style it's much more contemporary and I don't know if it's influenced by dance or influenced by something else, but, you know, how did that identity sort of come to be? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Like, and I I feel like a lot of people ask that question. And I, you know, I think there was definitely performers that I watched that I would have been inspired by. And I, I'm, and I actually think there were a lot of um, local Brisbane artists that I, once I started doing circus and going and seeing shows around the area, it's, it was really came from that environment, I felt like. And you know, circus in Brisbane, especially at that time, I don't know now because I haven't been there for so for so long, um, just had this really supportive envir- environment. And so my kind of process and how it sort of led to be, I, um, I mean, obviously I use my feet a lot from my juggling kind of background. Um, so a lot of that kind of, you know, people say hacky sack. I'm like, it's not hacky sack. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really suck at hacky sack. <laughs> so you keep it up and that's, you know, right. stalls I can do, but yeah, I can't keep it up. Um, you know, so that, I guess, you know, the, the soccer playing was a, a big part of it. But, um, you know, for me, it, circus um, became, I, I like to really approach it in a more theatrical kind of way. And so whenever I tried to make an act, it was about telling a story, you know, even if the audience didn't get what that story is, that's kind of how I would like to try and create things. And the first act I ever created, you know, was nothing special, you know, um, very unique, but it was like this um, wind-up doll. And so I really worked hard on um, making all the movements really kind of staccato and for like the ball always be the reason that you know a certain part of my body was moving or things like that and you know that was that's I think where that kind of style started and um just over the years I've really sort of developed that like I never had a dance background lots of people always ask Mm. if I if I was a dancer and I loved watching like it's just all that soccer training really <laughs> the movement. Yeah. what took you out of Brisbane like what what started your your world touring um four years ago I left Brisbane so not actually that long ago um I'd made a show Friday flight with um Rocky Stone who's a Melbourne-based um who is a Melbourne-based circus artist and Bianca McHale who's a Brisbane-based artist and we made a show Friday flight and that kind of we ended up winning um the physical circus and physical theater award um at Adelaide Fringe that was yeah it was was amazing like we did five shows and like the first four nights only like we had 10 people in the audience or something and then the last night it kind of weird I mean it sort of built a bit over over the five shows but the last night we had a full house and that was amazing and yeah it got really well well received and then so then we took that to Edinburgh so I kind of I think prior to going to Edinburgh I sort of packed up my my house and was like I'm just gonna see what happens and yeah and then I ended up moving to Melbourne for a little while and then I ended up joining Circus Ops and so yeah that kind of landed me and basing myself in Melbourne for a while. Will you tell people in America what Circus Oz is and and sort of like what that company the history of that not maybe the history but just a flavor of that company? <laughs> yeah <laughs> the whole history of that. <laughs> um yeah I always feel so embarrassed because I worked for I've worked for them for so long on and off for two and a half years that um yeah, I mean, Circus Oz was such a pioneering company, I think, um, for the international circus scene, from my understanding. Um, I know that they had certain influences on Cirque du Soleil and um, other companies at the time, and, you know, very um, political. And, yeah, they were just such an incredible, incredible company, and they still are. I think um, I joined 
when they just got the new buildings, they have this uh, incredible custom design building in the middle of Collingwood in this really, you know, funky area of Melbourne, close to town. Um, <clears throat> prior to that, they were out in Port Melbourne in this sort of old, it was called the Sausage Factory because it used to be a sausage factory. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and they had Mike Finch as the artistic director and he was there for about, uh, he ended up being there for about 16 years. So I think like, you know, and he he's fantastic and he's such an amazing, amazing man, amazing director and, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Um, but, you know, I think it just sort of, it it just got tired and, you know, over the last sort of little while, like maybe last six years, um, yeah, the, the response to Circus was kind of, you know, uh, that sort of, wanting to sound harsh, you know, just, just died off and I, I feel like the shows weren't quite as strong as maybe mm. they used to be or, you know, I think which is a natural probably cycle mm. for a company that's been kind of going like for 30, 40 years. Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, and so then Mike stepped away. He resigned while I was there and they had a year of sort of, um, you know, they searched for a new artistic director and they really wanted to bring someone, you know, kind of, quite external from the Australian world to bring in something kind of new and fresh and exciting and that ended up being Rob Tanyan who yeah I got to work with with Model Citizens who's such an amazing amazing man and he's it's a really big job like it's such a you don't realize what a big company it is and like how many different elements there are to it and yeah so um you know I think it's and now I feel like it's taking a, a new a new kind of form but it's still very ingrained in the old circus Oz. so it's yeah it's going through this interesting transition at the moment did you tour um, around the australia with that that show or where um yeah so i i originally started with the show but wait there's more and we did um yeah australia. the show the show's called but wait there's more yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was mike's last um show that he did with circus oz it's a great title for like you're going out yeah <laughs> but wait there's more yeah <laughs> um you know that was a really fun show we um took it yeah regionally it, throughout Australia and then we did bring it here um, to... The New Vic, is that where they played? No, we didn't do the New Vic. Circus Oz have, yeah. Um, yeah, prior years they'd done the New Vic but um, not this show. We did um, Illinois and... Gosh, I can't remember. And smaller um, kind of university towns, mm. more regional mm. America. And then we did a season in Tohu, which was really challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Why was the Tohu challenging? Tohu uh, was the big circus theater uh, in Montreal. I know, you know, it's so beautiful and I loved it. Um, we had a couple of quite major injuries and um, so the show ended up changing quite a lot. Mm. And then we were sort of working in the process and then had to take it to the round really suddenly. Mm. And it was just, unfortunately, it just yeah, it wasn't at its strongest. And, um, yeah, we didn't get so well received there, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but, gosh, yeah, it was so fun working there. Like, I... I love that theater so much. Yeah. I'd love to. It's take a really something. cool space. Yeah, we saw a um, few things there, and it's cool how they can reconfigure it yeah. depending on what you see. Did you play in the round while you were there, or did they set it up so that it's like proscenium style? It was more in the round, but yeah, um, that's hard to go from a proscenium style show, and then all of a sudden you're you're in the round. Yeah, you, those transitions are just so different. <laughs> they take so much. Yeah, it is. It's. A, I. I always have a like. You know, I think if, if you're doing a show in the round, you, like, make the show to be in the round. Yeah, it is. Because just... Circus was our Melbourne season. We're in our big top, and that's in the round. And so, um, and that's another change that the company's kind of made um, since taking on New Direction is we usually you'd always start a new show with the Melbourne season, so you would build it in the round, and then you'd take it on into the theatres on the regional tours and change it into the pros. But, um... Yeah, this time we went the other, the way. other way. Yeah, yeah. and it is. It kind of, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh no, it'd be easy. And then once you get on the floor, you're just like, oh my gosh. And like, just getting from back, you know, into center stage right. is just like <laughs> takes three or four times as long. Right. Yeah. Nice. So now you've been coming to America quite a bit the last, at least last year and a half since maybe I met you. Yeah. What's what prompted sort of your your travels in the U.S. I, aside from the Circus Oz tour? Yeah, because um, that was my first time to America, and I your first time to America was where Illinois. I, uh, yeah, no, I let no Seattle was our first oh. stop. I did. I love Seattle. Seattle's beautiful. And then yeah, I did all this small, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved being in all this. But that's what's so interesting with circus—you get to go to such unusual places that you would never go, mm. you know, and discover really interesting people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to get to work with. Um, yeah, so I, I came last 
year, um, yeah, early last year, I did a actually did a little tour with um, my friend's company, um, Stompy, who runs Dot Comedy, and he does like an interactive kind of um, festival show called The Maze. Mm. And that's not so much circus space; that's more yeah theatre. And um, so I was this kind of crazy witch lady. I made a lot of children cry actually that season. (laughs) I had this like amazing smoke machine in front of me and, you know, they'd be walking down this tiny little aisle and then sort of the smoke would disappear and there I was just looking terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) So I did, I, um, we did that in um, Virginia and then Ottawa. And then I got a, um, I applied for some funding from the Australian Arts um, to do a little residency here. And so uh, Tanya Gagne is a good friend of mine who runs Big Sky. And so I sort of teed up with her and I'd met Spencer. Um, where did Spencer Novick. Spencer Novick. Novick, right? Yeah, Novick. Literally every time I say it, I've known him for so long and every time I say his last name, I'm always like, I say Novick or Novich, Novick. I used, I think I used to always say Novich. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Novich. <laughs> Yeah, because we met um, just as I was finishing up with Circus Oz. That's funny. We met on Tinder. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was looking at his photos and I was like, wow, this guy looks really interesting. And, um, but then we we only got in touch because, like, we suddenly realised we had heaps of mutual friends and then we just saw each other perform. Like, I really like your stuff. And I was like, I really like your stuff. Like, Tinder is setting up juggling for <laughs> yeah. yeah. every day. Yeah, that's very funny. It was never romantic at all. <laughs> but, um, we should use that for artistic collaboration more. Like, Tinder? Yeah, Tinder. Yeah. We are looking for <laughs> someone with a sense of humor. Acrobatic skills. Great and... ball juggle. <laughs> so, yeah, I... Um, I got a little bit of funding to just, you know, just develop new work. It was just a professional development grant, so mm. it didn't have to have a particular outcome, but just to sort of, yeah, and that was really fun. I did that. Uh, so you can get grants in Australia to travel to the U.S. to be professionally developed? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Was that yeah. hard to get? What's the, Is it just an application process? What is that like? Yeah, it's, you know, it's um, just you kind of, it wasn't, wasn't too difficult, like a general sort of grant application that sort of asked, you know, I didn't ask for too much money. I think, you know, obviously the more money you are, ask for, the kind of more in-depth it gets, but it was purely just, yeah, I just sort of had mentioned that I um, had met Spencer and was really interested in developing work, some material with him, and, um, yeah, it was not too not too hard, actually. I, I was in a good position. I just finished with Circus Oz, so mm. that's, you know, obviously... A well-recognized yeah. company there. Yeah. So what were your impressions? You you land in the States, you come to New York eventually at some point where we meet you. What was, like, you know, your impression of American circus and, like, theater and the scene? Like, what struck you about it when you arrived? Was it good or bad or different or weird? I don't know. Yeah, it's, the... it's definitely different. Um, and, you know, I feel like... I don't know if maybe I'm missing something, but I just feel like, yeah, yeah, American circus is actually quite different to Australian circus and it's actually, it seems very, like, less prevalent than... It's definitely less prevalent and I would totally agree that it's pretty pretty different. Yeah. What struck you that was different about it? Um, I think just, like, um, you know, I think it's, you know, again, it's hard to say because I was sort of, you know, seeing little cabarets and stuff. I felt like the quality was lower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you can say it. Well, I think there's but, like a lot of recreational circus yeah. in America, almost more than than professional, uh, professional yeah. circus, which leads itself to like a lot of people who can do, and this is not bad, but it sounds bad, but like can do mediocre tricks, but then, and then they can put an act together. I want to say low skill tricks. Okay. <laughs> Less bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> Less skills. But, but yeah, no, I think it was also like um, me just being shocked, like paying $20 for um, seeing a show that I thought was very kind of community based. And I think I just felt like people that sort of weren't in the circus community, like that were just um, audience members, you know, they didn't, like they loved it. And that's yeah. totally fair enough. And so I think that's fine. But I was just a bit like, whoa, like mm. to me, that's more of a community sh- kind of level show. But at the same time, it's. Um, yeah, I think it's just what, yeah, what kind well, of show you That is the problem. Everyone, like, trains, all of these Americans leave, train elsewhere, and then do shows elsewhere. Yeah, you it's know. like, I mean, and I'm just sort of, yeah. Except for you. You were like, I'm going to come to America. That's where it's at. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I fell in love with the problem. <laughs> right, so now you're yeah. stuck here. So, and you've been creating shows of your own, right? Since, um, you mentioned a few of them, but are, like, are you... Are you working on generating a new act, a new show? Sort of, where's your where's your mind these days? Or do you want to like run off with a, a specific company? Yeah, I don't. I, um, like I said before, we started. <laughs> I'm feeling in uh, feeling like not in a fork in the road, but um, not too sure where my where I want to go right now. And it's always that balance of like, how can I, you know, survive? And I feel like there's this pressure of taking certain contracts to do work that I'm actually not feeling passionate about, and so. Um, I actually just refused um, a contract um, because I was like, no, I want to make work that I feel really passionate and excited about and I feel really proud of. So, yeah, right now I'm, um, after I leave here, I go back to Melbourne and I'm making a, a little 45-minute um, show with a friend of mine, Jared Dewey, who um, I worked with at Circus Oz. Um, he's a beautiful contortion trapeze. Like, right, he worked with the Circa for a, a really long oh. time. Um, so we're making a show that's sort of based around an earlier kind of development that I've done about a ghost. I dress up in like a sheet with two eye holes and just do lots of stupid clowning stuff and then obviously do some juggling juggling stuff. So, yeah, I'm that's what I'm sort of working on here at the moment. I, I'm just playing around. In, um, I train at Triskelion Arts. Sometimes mm. I use their studios. And then when I'm out in Pennsylvania, <laughs> I um, train on the deck. <laughs> But I also found a really great little studio that I work in too. So, yeah, I'm really focused now on just generating some new material. What's your I, process for that new material? Like if I was to just like be a fly on the wall, like what would I see you do? Like how does <laughs> so that? stupid stuff. <laughs> 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 I do some silly stuff. I sometimes watch videos back and I'm like, what are you doing? So do you record all of your, your sessions where you're, you're training to f- figure out new material? How does that work? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Um, I I really wish I could explain my process, but it's so it's so difficult. I mean, I feel like there's days where I just sit on the floor with a pen and paper in front of me and like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and then other days I just, you know, um, I love like novelty, silly novelty props. Like I, I go to novelty stores and get like just ridiculous stuff and just surround myself in it and put myself in a room in front of the mirror and just play around. Huh. Um, so that's kind of a bit of an inspiration of mine. Um, music is obviously a big one. Like I'll try find some tracks that kind of really get me going. And yeah, especially when I'm devising juggling stuff, there's a lot of um, like every single movement I do, I try and break down and find, you know, different ways of doing it. So I feel like I can, I can sit on like maybe five seconds of my act for like a week, I reckon <laughs> sometimes. Like just get really obsessed with, mm-hmm. you know, what's the best option there and what what's the most interesting um yeah but I know if I was to try and describe like a general day in the studio you know I do a lot of conditioning and I do love doing like handstands just for mostly general fitness and I know handstands are just addictive oh <laughs> and just... god <laughs> another thing I don't know how to do are you addicted to handstands so addicted <laughs> Juggling and handstands, man. I think juggling, juggling can definitely be very addictive once you once yeah. you like get the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, that was terrible. Once you get the devil sticks rolling. Um, well, um, your process also really sounds like a lot like a choreographer. Yeah. You know, like really dissecting like each little sound and movement and like what is the like placement of the hand and which I think is what sets when I saw your act versus you know another juggler like juggling can feel really fluid mm. and you're what I love about your style is like it can feel very like um angular yeah I do know? love angles I'm pretty yeah obsessive angles which is really <laughs> cool because you know even like the ball being thrown up and down is like this like you know kind of fluid arc yeah and so like having that juxtaposed with like really sharp moments is really cool yeah and that's what I'm really trying to find I'm also really trying to find like light and shade in that I feel like a lot of my stuff is very like and so I'm trying to like I find it really hard to go slow like (laughs) really trying to find some slow kind of rhythm in it um but yeah I have so much fun with trying to play with you know I think um how the audience view like I actually often feel like the audience don't follow the balls they'll follow Mm -hmm. my like because you know the ball will sort of be over here on you know, yeah. you know, on this side or when I'll be do some, doing something with my leg on that side, on the left yep. side, you know. And so, yeah, people are just kind of trying to create more of a bigger picture than focusing on the skill itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. 
so, um, okay. yeah it's really amazing i think with juggling how you can just see people i have a, this is a very common i don't know how common it is i want to see in a handful of people do it but super easy where you basically go from a three ball cascade mm. to a two ball like it or it's two balls in one hand but actually you're just holding an extra ball in that hand and you've made that third ball that look like did? you've eaten it yeah and just like i was like how did he do that <laughs> I'm that audience member that's like, whoa! Uh, and it's got a bit of like that, that like magic vibe to like that you can really control where people are looking. But on the flip side, mm-hmm. what is your sort of like philosophy on dropping? Because I think like people who, some styles of act where they take it like super contemporary and super serious and super dark mm-hmm. doesn't like necessarily allow for like humor, you know, when you drop or yeah. like a way to cover that. So... How have you sort of like tackled, not that your acts are super serious, but how do you sort of like tackle that as a performer? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, f- I feel like a lot of the feedback I get is, um, oh, it doesn't matter when you drop Olivia, like it's hard to even tell or, you know, like you just go on. But I like I actually get so anxious. I get so obsessed about like getting the trick right. But I so often don't like I'm a really nervous before- performer and I I could say like. I think I've only ever done one or two completely clean routines in my whole entire life. Like I always drop and that's just the reality <laughs> of it, but it still like makes me panic. Um, but it's, it's also like, yeah, dropping is a really, it's, it's actually can offer you a lot. Um, opposed to, you know, getting right. it really. Perfect. What do you mean it can offer you a lot? You know, just, I think um, to me, like when I'm also, when I'm, practicing I try and find like when I do drop instead of like stopping and you know do that again you know try find ways of like moving to the ball Mm -hmm. or different ways of picking it up or you know just ways to continue on so it almost looks like it was meant to happen Mm -hmm. I also do love to play with like putting I put purposeful like throwdowns or you know kid outs or certain purposeful drops that kind of make the audience go was that meant to be on purpose or not and so then it kind of kind of right. covers you for later <laughs> when you do drop. When you do drop, like, yeah. oh, it was meant to yeah. happen. Kind of blur. I try and blur the, the lines a little bit there. Yeah. Um, another, this is going to be like, we're getting into like a little bit of the idiosyncrasies of juggling. So hopefully some people in the audience like that. But um, <laughs> Sorry, when, you're, when you're sort of structuring, structuring a number and you're sort of thinking about like the, the order of tricks, are you thinking about like level of difficulty for like people who know what you're doing, like how difficult it is and how you're ordering it, or are you really thinking like you're designing it for an audience who's pretty uneducated and it's more about like what visually looks super interesting and maybe the hardest trick is first or something pretty easy is what you use as your finale, like that kind of balance. Yeah. Um, I usually go for image. Image is always sort of like so more or less than the skill itself. But, you know, I actually think the hardest tricks I do, people don't realise... They're hard. They're hard. I do a lot of, like, I love doing blind kind of stuff, so covering my eyes and doing catches and things like that, playing with that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I love to use, but people don't, you know, I just don't think people, general um, GP kind of audiences, yeah, realise. So I, I used to kind of be like, oh, I'll put the hardest trick first or I'll put that trick first, but I feel like I, you know, I just kind of don't know what people think are hard and what <laughs> what's on. And, and clearly, like, I've got a couple of sort of, I think have sort of become more signature tricks and foot kind of um, manipulation tricks that I do always sort of pump out at the end because I know that that always gets a good response. So mm. yeah, I do have a I do have um, sort of certain skills that I know an audience will respond to, but then for me, I personally like yeah, I like to the structure and act for its aesthetics more than its this you know, spectacle of the skill. And do you do you uh, make your own juggling props or do you buy them from, from somebody? Buy them. <laughs> you can make your own juggling balls? You can. You yeah, can, I mean, maybe not super rest. well, but people do. I'm probably ones. like the general listener to our podcast. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, you can, I think it was one time with, uh, I don't know, maybe Jacob Sharp or Book Kennison. We went and bought um, the balls you put in like little kids, um, like, Oh, like ball pits? Like ball pit balls. Yeah. And then you can cut those open and you can put sand or like whatever the material is and then seal those. And then all of a sudden you have like juggling balls you've made for like less than $10 and like, you know, 50 of them or whatever. Wow. But, um, a lot of effort. So yeah. what, 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 who makes the equipment that you use? Um, I use uh, G-Balls now, which I only started using... <laughs> gonna make all the ice out of the microphone. <laughs> I already feel like I'm doing that now. <laughs> um, 
yeah, G-Balls. I started using them. Uh, I had a stage manager find them for me at Circus Oz because I was dropping them so high off the rig um, that the ones that I'd been using were just sort of splitting because the, oh. you know, the pressure was so much and found these G-Balls, which are the eight-panel balls. And, yeah, they're just really strong. And oh, Someone said eight-pound balls. Yeah, eight panels. Oh, eight panels. Oh, eight, eight panels. Eight panels. I was like, oh, I bet <laughs> It's a workout while I juggle. Yeah. You can't see it, but Olivia yeah. is ripped. It's the biggest biceps. Eight <laughs> panels. Okay. Eight panels. Sorry. I'm glad you asked. I was like, wait, is this another thing I'm an idiot about? Like, why are they really eight panels? They look so light. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, so eight panels, they don't split. They don't split, and they also just kind of retain their shape a bit better, so all that foot kind of stalls and stuff mm. just make it a bit easier. Nice. <laughs> it's been my nerdy juggling talk. <laughs> no, I like the nerdy juggling talk. Um, awesome. Well, I think we're at the, the point in our podcast where we ask the, our famous last three questions. I don't know if they're famous. Oh, no. They're famous for the listeners. Everyone knows them. Um, has there been a piece of advice, good or bad, that somebody has given you in your life that has really stuck with you? Gosh, this is like I've had so many bad pieces of advice. Like in terms of performing, the um yeah. What's a bad piece of performing advice you've been given? I don't know, just bad. You know, someone told me it's once just... they were like, when you're performing, you are not allowed. If you have an itch, do not itch it. You have to what? have your hands by your side all the time. And when I got to college, they were like, why do you look like a robot on stage? Because like, I would never like itchy. itch my. I was like, I'm just so itchy. <laughs> They're like you can't and they're like you have to look like a real person wow that's what I like about circus because everyone like if something's off like they yeah. fix it like theater it's like yeah yeah and I was did trying, you like, get a really and... dumb like performance note somebody does something to you where you were like that's throwing that throwing that one out the window or like you maybe your first coach does something to you that like really inspired you to like keep going or you know yeah just for me I don't know, I have I had quite a few directors tell me to smile more on stage. And I was like, oh, I don't want to smile. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> the hardest thing I found with, um, uh, maybe this is going to be a tangent, it's probably not really answering the question, but the hardest thing I've really struggled with my performing career and especially joining professional companies, um, working with certain directors, I just I actually never get notes. Whoa. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's and, and, you know, I actually find that super frustrating. Like, yeah, because I think, especially when it comes to my juggling, people just don't really know how to dissect it all. Mm. Yeah, and so I, I've often, like, that's been a real, like... Frustration. Yeah, you know, whether it's positive or negative or, yeah, I just often... That's why you're only known as smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they'd be like, yeah, maybe... um oh, that wasn't a very good five ball, you know, or, or you did a few drops, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, um, in terms of trying to, like, yeah, dissect my work, it's... Yeah, but that's frustrating because there probably aren't that many people who are, like, jugglers who also direct or who, you know, yeah. who can really get into it with you about, you know, yeah. making it a nuance for that particular performance. It's probably quite a lot. Do you ever on... get directors, though, that are like, can you, um, like, catch when you catch that ball, can you, like... Make this shape yeah. or like you know yeah do X like yeah do they ever dissect it like that? Not often, no. Like and I don't mean to like it's definitely not about the directors I've worked for because I have worked with some right. really fantastic directors. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just more of a struggle in a general sort of and you know often with those bigger shows there's sort of certain focuses that and then kind of great you juggle often the actual yeah, act is the least thing that yeah, gets yeah. changed yeah. yeah yeah least of their concerns for whatever reason right it's never enough time right smile <laughs> smile use the space yeah, yeah. <clears throat> awesome so the second question is I didn't really answer that first no there's a lot I can, I can edit that into a really clean answer okay um, uh, I was just like oh I can make this really sound really clean because um, I hope these don't get harder <laughs> so here's another challenging one for okay. you uh, has there been, or so often a lot of our listeners are people who are getting into circus or who are uh, young and training and sort of want to expose themselves mm-hmm. to different stuff. Is, is, there been, is there a book or a movie or a TV show or any kind of like artistic reference that you like a lot that you would recommend to somebody who's getting into circus that they should see or Google or listen to? I'm sure there is a lot of like certain materials and things, but I, I, I feel like... um. 
you know, for my journey into the circus world, um, it was because I felt like I created something quite unique and unseen before that really shot me into the performing world, like really quickly, and and that kind of got me to where I where I got. So I think it's really important that people find reference that really appeals to their, you know, their own um, interest and. You know, whether it's, you know, you love dinosaurs, but you love to do trapeze, like, and you find that kind of connection somehow. Yeah, I think, yeah, with social media now, I feel like there's quite a lot of mimicking and searching mm-hmm. for, you know, and and that's, and that's and I think it's really important, of course, to draw inspirations from people, but then I also often worry that people just really try and be that, you know, one particular artist that, you know, mm-hmm. they look up to. And, um, yeah, I think it's just really important to kind of, like, diversify your options and think about how you can turn an apparatus into it being really your own your own thing yeah <laughs> get no, another good. really abstract answer that's a really good answer last question okay. who do you think we should have on the podcast like if I kind of think about people that have really inspired me in the world of circus, like I would recommend um, Fez, Fez Banana from Briefs. From Briefs, yeah. Yeah, he's nice. yeah, you know, he's, I mean, he's a busy man, so he might be yeah, hard. He's not busy. doing much, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Um, but yeah, he's got such an interesting, um, yeah, such a interesting history of like how he sort of, I mean, he comes from a dance background, but you know, he's such a, like, he, he really supported me when I first started doing circus and he saw what I was doing. He's like always encouraged me, him and Mark both. And, um, yeah, I just think what he's doing is really great, really political and strong and, you know, always really pushing to make new work. Like they've just made their third brief show that's, you know, really quite different from their last one. So it's obviously... Encounters, is that what it's called? Close Encounters. Close Close Encounters, encounters, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not Brief Encounters, but Close Encounters. (laughs) It's a really short show. Yeah. (laughs) Um, or um, you know, Davy Sanford, my juggling teacher, yeah. the original juggling teacher. He's also a great person to, to yeah try and um, hook up with. He's very funny and very interesting. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to Thanks us. Thanks for having me. And you so take awesome that show. little 15-year-old girl who told you you were too old for a circus. Does <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> look at you. <laughs> and that was our interview with Olivia Porter. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us on Facebook, Twitter, tweet us, like us on Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes, share the podcast with a friend, with family, with your mom. Have a wonderful, happy Halloween. And dress up as something fun. (laughs) Have a good week.